The VC Show is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, but you must be 21 or older. The VC Show, let's go, doing the part with Roz. We got the sports on deck for our audience. Whether it's big news, hot topics, updates, straight facts, storytelling, breakdowns, or special guests. VC Show, the VC Show, let's go. Welcome to the VC Show, presented by Caesar Sportsbook on Omaha Audio. I'm Vince Carter. There she is right there, Roz. What's going on? You've been busy. You know it's Game two. Game two, baby. I, I literally just came from Denver, and now I'm heading to Miami for games three and four. I'm, I'm in the middle of travel. Yo, your sky miles should be crazy right now. I'm literally doing the whole <laughs> summer for free, traveling the whole summer on miles. Look, I don't want to. I was gonna say what's your favorite airline, but nobody paid for that promotion. So. Yep. Kids. Yeah, we'll talk about that another time off camera. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> but what we but can't no, man. is is how good you know. All of a sudden, like we we've, we've got a series, man. The Heat stole one. Yeah. Denver. Are you surprised? Gonna, wait. Before the, I'm gonna ask you a question first because you know you're in the building. The 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 build up pregame show and all of that what was the building looking like after a game one by by denver and 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 the way they handled their business yes we we know coach mike malone wasn't happy about their play but they still had an 11 point win what did the building look like feel like for game two getting ready for it because i'm I'm sure the denver fans felt like oh we're we're leaving out here two and oh Mm -hmm. it was an incredible atmosphere. Don't forget, you know, this is Denver Nuggets. This is, they've never won a championship. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like we're in first territories. These are new experiences, not just for the players, but the fans. And um, it was incredible right before the game tipped, actually. I mean, they've got quite an entertaining game day show, even outside. I of saw the- your, uh, I saw your story. They've got the rally towels. So the whole place is like rally toweling. Um, and, and that's always like an interesting atmosphere when you've got these things shaking in the air and then it's super loud in there. They've got all these signs, like huge signs, make some noise, not loud enough. And then please excuse me for forgetting the name of their mascot. I didn't know you were going to ask this. Um, Rocky, Rocky. Is it Rocky? Mm-hmm. Okay. So there, if Rocky, the mascot, he climbs like all the way up to the top yeah, of the arena. Yeah. It's like insane. hanging. And I was like, this place is crazy. So I thought the fans have absolutely showed out for Denver. Absolutely. It's been exciting in there. <laughs> yeah, it, it looked like it. It looked like it. I mean, you, I mean, obviously being, you know, in, in arenas and in situations like that, you kind of get an idea, um, you know, in, in being with the elevation out there, like all of the anxiety, excitement, like that that can wear you out in itself. So it looked like a, it, it was live. And I mean, it's the finals. Well, let and, me tell you one thing. End of the game, though. Whew. That was a stunned crowd in there. Oh, absolutely. Can I tell you, during the heat through these playoffs, it's a scene that I've seen a lot because of them. I've seen them have some home crowds that looked amazing in this game. Just quiet, awkward, like, you know, kind of stunned would be the word. The, The atmosphere after game two in Denver was one I've seen before in this heat run to the finals. 
Were you surprised they pulled that off? Because for a second there, after game one, the narrative was, man, you know what? The Nuggets are really those guys, and they're really that good, and they've been that good all season. And you know what? This might be where the Heat, you know, run out of steam. What did you think of game two? The Miami Heat had an opportunity to rest and prepare, figure out how they wanted to actually game plan the Denver Nuggets. And, I mean, just think, they went from game seven on the plane, a little bit of rest, shoot around, hey, toss it up, and they had to figure it out. A game plan, but more generic, if you would, trying to, you know, figure it out. Like a first-round boxing match, you kind of feel your way through it. It's kind of, that's what game one was for the Miami Heat. Game two, more physical, obviously hitting shots. They, They hit shots, but it was a credit to the Miami Heat creating confusion, which allowed those shooters to hit shots. Shooters shoot, yes. And you knew they wouldn't go, they, you know, you knew Shrews wouldn't go 0 for 10 again. But they created those those opportunities by getting open shots once again. Like, these guys were getting open shots with late contests that didn't matter. I mean, they were doing pick and rolls to slips. They didn't come together slips. No communicating, open threes. And I kind of think, and I heard uh, somebody, I heard somebody talk about it on TV and analysts about Denver has bullied their way through. They've they've taken care of business. They've handled their business, handled their business, and they were like, "All right, this is another game." Yes, they were locked into the, you know, to the moment, but not at the level that the Miami Heat brought the fight. And I thought they hit first, and once they hit first, they're like, "All right." Nah, this ain't this ain't that. And you know, shout out to the to the to the to the Denver Nuggets. Like they they got they got punched in the mouth and made it a game. And as much as you know, you talk about not you you, you know if you're in the finals, you shouldn't as a coach have to talk about effort. Like you gotta go. You going if you would balls to the wall. Like like I need four wins and I get a championship. Like. Like it's no tomorrow, you know what I'm saying? So it, it was kind of it was kind of surprising, and you can see, in, in, you know, the disappointment in, in, in the disappointment in coach, the players, but at the same time, they didn't lay down and they brought the fight back to give themselves the chance. Mm-hmm. And for what all of the things that people are talking about, they talk about the timeout, they talk about the effort, they found a way like good teams do, they found a way to stay close, to stay in the game and give themselves a chance to tie to potentially win in overtime. Because if Jamal Murray makes that shot, we go to overtime, we're talking about a totally different thing. Oh, they didn't bring the fight early, but they found a way. Uh, superstar players rise in, you know, in, in crunch time and big moments. So. Isn't it crazy how narratives change, man, so quick? Mm-hmm. Like the whole yeah. And and honestly, to your point, Jamal Murray hits that shot and then the Nuggets go on to win. Like the series is is in, you know, deep threat ter- territory. But, you know, as I'm watching the game, you know, and I'm, you know, doing um, post-game interviews and different hits. And then I'm on the game broadcast for the national radio call. So I'm like calling the game alongside Legends and Doris Burke and PJ Carlissimo and and Mark Kessinger. I'm just like lucky to be alongside them and and to have the opportunity to be around the finals. And um, 
I'm watching the game and I'm like, oh, no, nah, this favors the Heat. Like, I'm like, okay, the game stays close. Like, I actually post-game interviewed Gabe Vincent. And I was like, what is it about you guys in post-game situations where you just look so comfortable? And he was like, we've been in a lot of close post-game situations. I was like, what is it about you guys in close games? He's like, we've been in a lot of close games. And like, that's so true. And, um, you know, another thing that I would point out in my conversations, just kind of moving around with different Heat members um, and, and having a conversation with them here and there the two days in between game one and two were pivotal, were huge. And not just for, for the rest, for the prep. Yeah. I, thought, I thought that was an excellent point brought up. Not the, the, the rest was key, right? Of course, they're mm-hmm. human, perhaps. While they wouldn't use the excuse, of course, there was a lot that they did. There's a fatigue there. But the prep was key. That was a quick turnaround from Boston. And the two days in between gave them the proper amount of time to truly understand the opponent. And that is the strength of the heat. And that is the strength of Coach Spolstra. Preparation, the ability to adjust, the ability to understand the opponent and make sure his team understands it. And those two days in between was used to, to strengthen the mind. And so coming into game two, heat players, heat staff felt very confident about their familiarity with the opponent and of course like their ability to have the right disposition so the prep was was like just as big if not bigger than the rest and Roz, real quick you know and they had the luxury of playing a game and having two days of prep it's not like you have these days of prep and yes you watch them on film and you know we don't know what's gonna what that's gonna look like against us. They had a game, regardless of losing or not. They had a game, two games. I'm sorry, two games, two days in between with the game played, which I think helped them also. So they knew the physicality that they really need to bring. It wasn't just talking about it. You knew how to go about it because you've gone through and you now see. Oh, you remember this play? Yeah. If I was more physical, you know, like let's for instance in the zone, I was I was thoroughly impressed with them because I was like, okay, Denver. With the ability to shoot, Jokic's ability to pass, I'm sticking him in the middle of the floor uh, of the zone and just pick them apart. Shot, corner threes, or whatever. The multiple efforts from the guards gave Vincent up top sometimes, um, Kyle Lowry, you name it. They were able to guard the free throw, the, the middle pass, and still get to whoever the guy up top was. So they were taking away the middle pass, but still can get to the three to contest it, to discourage it, whatever you choose. And I was impressed with that. Yes, it took a perfect pass to get over the top or Jokic had to fight, fight, fight to get the ball. And once he gets free from that guard, guess what? Boom, Kevin Love, a big, somebody's there, boom, medium. And they were physical with him. And everybody's talking about making him score low assists. Okay, sure. But, you know, at the same time, there were open shots from that zone or in in the one-on-one situation that, guys, Michael Porter did not shoot the ball well. KCP did not shoot the ball well, who had good looks. Those are a couple assists there. So, I don't – I mean, I don't know what the the, the right formula is. And I know, you know, Steve Kerr talked about that's what they made him do. And and maybe that's it. You know, I I mean, that kind of a game plan because it's like, yes – the effect that he has on the game by distributing is tremendous because it's multiple guys scoring 15 to 20 
plus points as opposed to him scoring 40 and guys are in, you know, the teens, which is a huge difference in scoring. Yeah. Um, well, let's let's directly address the quotes that came out of the post game. So, you know, quote unquote, you know, Miami pushes Jokic to be a scorer. He drops 41 points, but only four assists. The question came up in the post game interviews with Coach Spolstra, um, and he immediately, mm-hmm. like emphatically, shut it down, like just as if mm-hmm. it was so disturbing. This concept of, you know, could you force Jokic to be a scorer versus being a, a primary, a playmaker or a passer? And he didn't like the question at all. He shut it down. He's like, that's just you know too why, Ross? simplistic. Why? Why did he do that? He's not giving you the game plan ideas, even if he's like, yeah, that was our game plan. So, you know, whether we know it's the obvious or not, you know, sometimes you you, you have to be careful about your answers when you're playing a team <laughs> potentially six to seven games. So you it was so it was a valid question and it was true. And Spolster was just trying to win. To, the to what we said, I think so. I, well, I just think he's like, OK, you know, whether I, it's like sometimes like, you know, Shut up! Don't say that. <laughs> Don't give away our secrets. Is that what he was doing? <laughs> like, like with, uh, like with Jalen Green, uh, Jalen Brown. Excuse me. It's like okay, yeah, we were definitely trying to push him left. We understood that, but we'll never come out and say it. You know, until it was over. Like, yeah, we definitely were trying to. You know, that was our game plan the whole time, trying to push him left. Like, I mean, oh, okay. It's just it's so dramatic in his yeah. response to it. It seemed like it really kind of like threw him for a loop. The concept of it. Do you, that. So you're trying to say I mean, like I, I, that was this just is just my act. opinion. Oh. I, I, no, I don't know about I don't know about an act, but it's just kind of yeah, yeah, be, ag- yeah, be aggressive with it. Nah, bro. yeah, exactly. Nah, man, what y'all, man, y'all get out of here with that. Nah, nah, whatever. But in the locker room, you have to have a game plan. You have to have something, you know. And, and that's kind of what it, it was. It was one on one. We didn't see a lot of double teams. No, we did not. No, we did not. You played this guy who has been killing straight up. You know, so there could be some truth to that out on both sides, is what I'm saying. Was Zeller a decoy? Because it was like you almost you almost put a mouse trap there. You put the food out because you know the mouse is going to eat the cheese. But he's going to go for it. Right, because the it was a trap the whole time anyway. Was Zeller the cheese in the mouse trap? Wow, could be because think about this. You know, you played it. You played it because I, I thought at one point he was getting he Jokic was getting the best of Zeller, and I'm like, okay, it's time to put Bam back in in the third quarter. They did not. They did Bam not. came back in in the fourth quarter. Oh wow! Again in the fourth. Yes, and, and then things kind of kind of just changed then, and he started going at. Jokic as well, because he, you know, they put Jokic in pick and rolls, and you see, he was a little late for some of them. Started to gamble on some of the the bounce passes, like that was um to uh what's the big uh, Duncan Robinson. He, he's late in the pick and roll. You know, he's actually having the guard Bam going at him. He's sitting back a few, trying to help. Now he's getting it. So it's just, it's just they made him do a lot, and I don't, I don't think that's what my point was. Like, yes, they made him score, but they they made him defend, and that's one of the things I said. If the Heat were going to have success, you have to make that dude defend in the pick and roll. He has to. All right, I'm. Can I? Can I just for the health of conversation give a devil's advocate just for yeah, the health sure. of conversation? Because I absolutely understand what you're pointing out. Um, Devil's advocate for the health of conversation. The other side could be the heat came out swinging. I don't even know why I'm doing all this extraness with my hands. But <laughs> no, hey, sell <laughs> it. Sell it. But anyway, 
devil's advocate, the heat come out swinging. So now the Nuggets need a response. And Jokic, with an understanding of time and situation, with a versatile toolkit of ways that he can dominate a game, he could take three shots and have 10 assists at the half and dominate that way. Or he can take 13 and attack one-on-one and dominate that way. So you could see that perhaps Jokic was recognizing that there was an emotional burst from the heat and he needed to take it within his own hands to assert himself and attack the basket and attack the defender. It is odd that they stayed single coverage so long on Jokic, right? But you think about it, how many possible defenders do the Heat even have to throw out there at Jokic, you know? So... Yeah. And there's there's a thing to that, Ross, because the the Heat understand double team. He's such a great passer. You open up three point shots and possibly makes as opposed to two point shots and makes. And you know, I, I think Jokic understood that the ball needed to get into the basket. They, that's this is what calls for. Because look at this, that assist number could change, could have changed as well, if KCP hit one or two of those. It right, could have been right. six assists. With and 41 points and 11 rebounds and five turnovers, right. you know, so or you know, or, or whatever. So it just depends. He just has to read the moment. I thought Jamal Murray struggled early and found his way, but it was just kind of too late. You know, they. I think, regardless of Jamal and Jokic having their their nights, they need they need another guy having another guy to having good nights. And right. that's created by Jokic. And that that's it was kind of that wasn't the case, you know? It's a you know, team you, game. Basketball mm-hmm. is a simple game. If you really because, allow yourself, like it's a team game. And think uh, about this, Rod. Look, real quick. 41 and 11, Jokic. Mm-hmm. 12 and 7, Aaron Gordon. 18 and 10, Jamal. Uh Michael Porter Jr., five points. KCP, six points. Bruce Brown, eleven points. Jeff Green, nine points. So you didn't have anybody who had, like, a breakout game. I mean, I guess you could say Aaron Gordon with 12 was, was a, you know, I, I mean, he had a big game game one. But, you know, they, that was subsided by the adjustment. I thought the, it was a great adjustment. I thought it was an obvious adjustment because, you know, we're hearing people say, oh, yeah, I, 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 you know, I said well, after game one that needed to happen. I thought that was the obvious adjustment. We knew that was going to happen because they to took advantage what? of their, huh? To do what? An obvious to, adjustment? To, 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 yeah, the obvious adjustment was to put Kevin Love it, into the starting lineup Kevin for height. A good adjustment, and how do you think it went? Because oh, it went well. Because now you 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 have instead of Jimmy playing the four, Jimmy plays the three. If you would, you have a bigger body to put on Aaron Gordon, and then you can move Jimmy to to um, Jamal Murray to put a bigger body on him. You know, great defender that makes, you know, you can get shots off on him, but he's going to make it tough when he made him earn it. And uh, I, I, I just thought that's what was good because Aaron Gordon couldn't just go post up. Yes, he could post up Kevin Love and go, but it was, he was trying to post, he was posting up Gabe Vincent. He was posting up whoever, Duncan Robinson, whoever was trying to guard him you know he's not the shooter, so he they he was the guy that they were allowing to to take the open threes, right? But he said, "Okay, you guys are coming off me." He did a great job of when a guy would come off them, he would run right to the front of the rim and post up. Well, you can't do that when you if if Kevin Love's coming off him, now you're trying to run behind him to post up. 
you're still posting up against 6'9", 6'10". You know what I'm saying? And I thought Kevin Love did a great job on switches moving his feet. And and one thing that um, Coach Spolstra said, too, was, you know, excuse me for not remembering his exact words, but it was something post-game to the effect of, I didn't have the exact foresight heading into game one. I should have, but he, he pointed to the quick turnaround and yeah. he immediately after game one realized I should have gone back to my Kevin Love lineup. And that's where those two days in between really paid off, where Spolstra can, can showcase you know, his strength as one of the great adjustment coaches in the game. Um, so I think that was a cool adjustment. And, and for me, like I was in the huddle, you know, as, as a reporter in the game too. And what I reported on and saw multiple times in the Nuggets huddle, Ryan Saunders uh, on staff comes into the middle of the huddle and, and they, with the Nuggets watch video right in the huddle, like right it's, it's, I know that video is a big part of the in-game experience, but it's not always immediately at the center of the huddle and everybody's immediately watching video. That's something I've noticed a lot from the Nuggets in the playoffs. And Ryan comes out and he's literally showing them breakdowns. And it's an animated huddle. You know, Jokic is yelling, not in a negative way, more just like, come on, guys, we got to communicate. Uh, Coach Malone comes in and addresses the team. It's about their defense against the three-point shot. And Coach Malone is like, look, we're starting. We started the, the second half the same way we started the first half. He didn't like the energy from the starters. Then he didn't like their communication, their willingness to work and, and, and fight on the defensive end against the threes. And if there's an adjustment for me that, that needs to happen against the Heat, they've got to figure out where the breakdowns are happening for these open three-point shots because the three not only ignites all of those role players, it also allows the Heat to set up their defense. And in the fourth quarter, all those threes allowed the Heat to set up zone defense after zone defense. And you could just tell the Heat were more prepared. And I also think, let's shout out um, Jimmy Butler, who had nine assists. Like, he was more aggressive. He took way more shots. He said he was going to get to the free throw line. He did all that. It wasn't some crazy 50-point game. But I thought he got the defense shifting, which allowed for extra passes. And then you get guys like Duncan and Struess coming out there making nice shots. And I thought Struess, he hit those four, four threes early, never hit another one. That's all he, he needed. He did his job. He, he did his job. He set the tone for the entire team. It was gutsy. It was gutsy. And, and Roz, the, the, the thing, the offensive adjustment was in the pick and roll. Game one, mm-hmm. they, they come to a body. And when you know you feel somebody when you're hit, is that's when you switch. Mm-hmm. You come, you come to contact instead of point switching. This is the thing that's talked about. If you and I are pick and roll, and your man comes to set a screen on me, and 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 I'm hit, we I know then to switch because now you're going to take mine. But if they never actually come together, mm-hmm. what do we do? And there was a lot of point switching, or there were just a lot of guys assuming mm. that it was a actual screen when it was a slip and it, and you they, they never particularly in the first quarter they never got a grasp of that and that's what i think freed up Struess more so than any exotic play or anything it was just the adjustment was you don't come to a stop it's just slow to fast we call it if you're running to set the screen you slow down just a little bit to get your guy to kind of show a little bit and you're fast you're out of there now you get your guy committed plus the guy going over the screen because there was no communication, either you're pointing or you don't say anything, and everybody started to assume. That's why you you see, boom, boom, two guys on there, and they immediately got off the ball. 
and and that was just that was the the adjustment more than anything. They didn't run anything different than what we've seen before. It was just don't come together, and those guys were getting wide open looks. And once great shooters, particularly who struggled before, get an open look and see yeah. one go down, <laughs> it's a different ball game. I could see one mental lapse and mistake, but as someone again who was outside of the Nuggets huddle, it was constant. Good Lord. Thoroughly discussed by the coaching staff. This was not a coach. You cannot say the coaching staff didn't recognize an issue. Bring a, mm-hmm. bring, they literally had the laptop in the middle, was showing the tape, and they just kept getting broken down. My feeling is, it's the NBA Finals. How are y'all not communicating? You know, I never played at this level, but I did play in college. When that when those screens are happening, you got to be able to talk through it. How do you keep not having mistakes? How is two people going with one person? If you're communicating properly and at least meeting with each other, you can you can work through the screen. But to have the same thing happening over and over and mistakes and mind farts in the NBA finals. What? That was a little bit surprising. Yeah, it was it was definitely surprising. And one of those things you're like, all right, they're going to make an adjustment. And, and they did. They, they played a little better. Like I said, they played well enough to get themselves back into it and then you know, it's, it's when you fight so hard, do you have enough gas in the tank? And I thought they did. They they didn't play great, but sometimes you have ugly wins. And, you know, good teams find ways to win. And, and you know, that good team was <laughs> the the Miami Heat who understood the assignment. They, they okay, we didn't play great game one. We're going to get out of here and split. And they did, their, they did what they needed to do. They did their job. So now it's like, <laughs> what happens to them? What does Denver look like now? What adjustment will they make? And the, the the simple adjustment, regardless of the lineup, is playing harder. Because you know they just they exposed them. They 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 played harder than them. I mean, this is all I'm saying. I'm not saying anything different than what the players and, and Coach Mike Malone said. But that's it's the reality and it's the truth. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm interested. The one, real quick, the one thing I like about Spo is, regardless of the adjustment that will be made game three, his willingness to make in-game adjustments yeah. is second to none. Because, yes, he's great at making adjustments. Like we talked about, he had two days of preparation. But his willingness to scrap that to pick what works right now to get us a win now is what I love about him and some of these coaches in this league, because I've had coaches, like I said, they're stuck in their ways. They spent all night studying and preparing. It's going to work. If you guys would just stick to the game plan and trust it, like, all right, coach, it's not working. Be willing to change, you know? Vince, after the game, um, Coach Michael Malone called out the effort of his team. And from your viewpoint as a player, how how do you react to that? How does that feel for the players and why do you, and do you think that Coach Malone perhaps was just expressing himself, or was he trying to communicate to, to the team through the media? Like, what's going on in these types of situations? A wake up call, uh, and he's hoping. You know, obviously, Coach Mike Malone wears his emotion on his sleeve. He's going to say what he's thinking, and you know, if you're if you're a player, you understand that at this point. <laughs> you understand it, and you know, we heard Coach Malone talk about how. You know, when they won game one against the uh, Lakers, people still talking about the Lakers. It's like, wait, we won the game and we're we don't get talked about. So, he, you know, he's doing for his team and he's going to do whatever it takes to get his guy to get his guys four wins. And 
he was thoroughly disappointed. But there were also other players. Jeff Green, you know, he said he spoke up in the locker room. He also spoke up in in the media. You clearly could see the disgust in, in his mm. tone and his face about it. So they understand that. And maybe this is a wake-up call because it, it has uh, easy. I don't know if I want to use the word easy, but Denver has been dominant mm-hmm. throughout the playoffs. And this is the first challenge, and they had some slippage. Which at the yes, you, we're saying it like, how could you have, how can you can can you not have the effort in the NBA Finals? True, but they've made games easy for themselves, and I th- I think they thought no, this is you know yes they're going to come ready to play and they're going to try to put Miami away, but Miami hit first. If you're a player, is it all good? Is that cool? It is. I mean, some some guys don't like it, don't like to be challenged in front of the media to bring everybody in their business. Cool. It is what it is. I, as a player, I don't have a problem with it. It's it's not like he's telling a lie. It's not like I'm saying, no, oh, look, I didn't. No, no it was true. <laughs> That's not true. What is he talking about, Coach? What are you talking about? No, he's, he's telling the truth. So I'm, um, I'm okay with it. I, I think, you know, if anything, if your feelings hurt, he's, you know, Mike Malone, uh, like his dad, you know, play for his dad. It's one of those guys, okay, well then, do something about it. Do something about it. Game right. three, you will have a chance to change the narrative. Game three, that our, our one adjustment that we can make without it being a, a huge secret is our effort. Because guess what? Miami's going to be prepared for it. I think Miami understands, oh, man, what what we did to them, what they're saying, what their coach is saying, what one of their veterans saying, that's going to be a, a point of emphasis coming game three. Why should you bet with Caesar Sportsbook? Two words, Caesar's rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesars can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just an app, it's an empire. 21 and over must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. No one to stop before you start. Gambling problem? Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia, if you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Or Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with the Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP, licensed to the Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. Miami has in their back pocket that guy Tyler Hero. Right. You know, here's another guy. Here's another guy, you know, to all of that, that whenever, you know, he gets, whenever he's ready to come back is another shooter. Now, I'm going to say this. I know some, that I know that you interviewed him and I know that you had the chance to talk to him. Mm-hmm. When is he coming back? Yeah, I, um, 
I spoke with him right before the start of game two. He came out and was doing his pre. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I saw that. I was like, oh shoot, they about to get another guy. But yeah. and, you <laughs> what know, happened? Yeah, so I mean, there was a lot of hope that um, Tyler would play in game two, and um, he obviously he didn't, and he stayed out. And I was able to just kind of understand in a, in a quick conversation with him right before he started to shoot, because we always say what's up and. Um, had the chance to tap in with him on like how his hand was doing. And this is really how he was weighing the decision of when to come back. But he he actually came right next to me and he showed me the right hand. And he was like, you know, after he shoots, he has some swelling and some soreness. And that's the hardest part of this return and trying to make it back in time for these finals. And the swelling is actually really on the top of his wrist where the scar is. And it was actually... So when he- well, well yeah, so everything. talking about the swelling for now, like it's, right. it's actually in the scar on the top of his hand. We're not even talking about the follow through yet. Mm-hmm. And um, he was just like, you know, it actually looked pretty raised when I looked at it. But after shooting, it, it further swells. And then the soreness, he can feel the soreness when he follows through in the follow through motion of his shot. So um, obviously you that's put that Kobe glove on. <laughs> it's something to consider, though, if you're shooting. Um And then after shooting, you know, he experiences those things. And I think there's also like the the mental aspect of this too, the respect for what the Heat have done, you know, without him as well. And he he did share his considerations of, of, hey, I want to come back, but I also don't want to mess up the rhythm of, you know, the team that's doing so well. And so I think it's not a matter of like, is I know for game two, Tyler, for these reasons, you know, just wants to make sure that he picks the right time to come back, both physically and also like emotionally, mentally, and for the rhythm of the team. That's not to rule him out of game three, by the way. That's just kind of what was being weighed for game two. And I think he's taking a really thoughtful approach. And you also want to make sure that, you know, look, he just had a surgery recently. There's still some physical ailments of this. He wants to also, um, you also want to make sure that he's ready uh, physically as well. So, um, I think that obviously like the heat winning game two takes a little bit of the pressure off of it. And if he doesn't come back game three, there's still a lot of hope that he'll be coming back in these finals. So it was a quick and and good conversation with Tyler. You got to put that Kobe glove on. He's a great (laughs) asset. Able to come back. Um, how do you think he should be worked back in knowing this information? I think they should you know, work him back as a, uh, as a, as a six, seventh man, or it depends. I mean, I know you bring Kyle off the bench early, but I would bring him off the bench for sure. And just give him spot minutes because like you said, he, he had surgery fine and more so than the physical part, the mental part, you know, just being hesitant on shooting the ball, feeling like, you know, in, in live action that you're, you're okay. You know, um, I think he'll be just a a, a huge up, uh, burst in uplift this team just for the simple fact that who he is and what he can do. Maybe if he doesn't hit a shot, maybe, you know, what if he doesn't hit a shot? Cool. But you still got to re- respect Tyler Hero's ability to score. I wouldn't want to see, you know, and I don't think the, 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 the Heat will do this, but I wouldn't want to see them put him in the starting lineup and mess up the rhythm and, rhythm and the flow with how the Heat have played all, you know, throughout the finals, obviously, but throughout the playoffs in general, since he's been out, they have been spectacular. It's worked and they figured it out. And you kind of implement him slowly because 
you know, hearing this, it just made me immediately think of Jameer Nelson, the Orlando Magic uh, in the finals with uh, uh, against the Lakers when their guards were playing so well. Jameer had been out. He comes back and they put him back in the starting lineup and it kind of threw off the Magic's rhythm. And we know what happened <laughs> from there. And I just don't want to see – shout out to Jameer, though. He's my guy. But, uh, you know, it, you just don't want to see that. And I, and I think he sees that. It sounds like what, you, like what you're saying, even if they wanted to put him in the star line, which I don't think they would, he would not do so. You know, he doesn't want to mess up the rhythm because this would, is a I unbelievable opportunity. Push, like I would hard push against – none of that was said to me. And certainly that's no, not and just what, how he how he's saying, like, you know, I just want to – I don't want to mess the rhythm up. That I'll, just says anything. I will clarify after, like – I'm the only person who's spoken to Tyler Hero. We haven't heard from him since. So I want to make sure, like, we're really clear about what was actually said. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he sh- he shared, though, that, like, as a hu- like he's a human being. Like, of course he sees what's happening, and there are mm-hmm. some understandings of not wanting to mess up that rhythm. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's, yeah, that that's what I'm saying. And that doesn't yeah, that's what I'm saying. He doesn't want to come back. It doesn't mean that if he came back, should he come off the bench or the start? It's just that he understands that. And actually, as a fellow, you know, just as two human beings having a conversation about the game that we both played and we both love, like I actually said back to him, I was like, you know, man, like, you know, you just got to you. I feel like you can't carry that weight and burden with you like if you're going to come back like just free yourself of that's exactly what i'm saying free yourself of the concept of am i messing something up because that's not for you to control just come out and you know do your thing great your thing and so like that was just that was um my thoughts on it because that's a lot of weight to bear you're coming on the court and you're worried about what you'll do for others. Let coach figure that out. That's coaches. Uh, and that's what I'm saying, Ross. Yeah, that's what I think. I think they will protect him as a player and bring him off the bench and let him slowly get his confidence back before they just throw him in the starting lineup and 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 put that pressure on him to or or to even allow that to creep in his mind. Bring him so in because I don't. I feel like why would you put him in to play huge minutes and he hasn't played in a long time? Like, so my, for my I don't even think starting him is on the table. I think if Tyler was available, I'm if, from what I've read from a lot of FaceTime with um, heat staff and heat, you know, team people, um, if Tyler was able to come back, I'd imagine it'd be off the bench, but um, you know, I, given everything that's, that's available there for consumption. Another thing that is in, of, of note though, um, that I, I can and already have reported on is, is that, Tyler through this whole playoff run with the understanding with the heat understanding that they had hopes to bring him back in the finals. He's been absolutely engaged with the team, like all the way through, like um, at all practices, like engaged at the video session. Sometimes when a player is injured, they don't have to participate in everything. Like he's been mentally activated and engaged in, in the scouts, in the planning, being around the team and, and all that, just so that he's in playoff mode as best as he can be on top of it. It's not a leg injury. He's been able to do all the cardio things. So as good as conditioning as you can be without playing in games, he's been doing that. And in the past week, he's he's been doing full content, uh, contact, um, you know, multiple players, scrimmages. He's doing everything in practice from what I've heard. Um, he looks good, you know? So now it's just a matter of, you know, how does he feel and what's, what's the right timing for him? And, um, you know, and, and obviously how does his, how does his hand feel too? You know, you, you don't just want to rush, rush back into these things. 
Yeah, the confidence of when you're out there playing and if you get hit, the hesitation like, oh, no, nah, it's all good. It didn't hurt. You know, yeah. I was fine. You know, so he has to get past that that mental hurdle. Um, but like I said, he'll be a huge, huge uh, asset to their team. Okay, so I think that's enough finals talk for today because we still have a little time before game three. Um, but sheesh, the Heat know how to make this thing interesting. But the yes, NBA... The NBA is always interesting. It never ceases to uh, amaze us with, with the content comes out. And I tell you, um, these guys always find a way to be in the headlines. So there's reports. <laughs> out there. Like, I can't wait for Michael Malone to be like, y'all not even talking about us in the finals. You're talking about LeBron James and Kyrie going up, teaming oh. up with Dallas. <laughs> <laughs> Man. No. Like I, I know, I know. When uh, we saw the reports come out that Kyrie Irving has been meeting with LeBron James, trying to convince him to join Kyrie and Luca in Dallas somewhere, Michael Malone was punching the air. He was like, "Thank you, LeBron. Damn, homie, can't you let us have anything?" <laughs> no, I'm playing. I'm playing, Coach Malone. You know I'm playing. Come on, man. But, <laughs> but, um, and then, and then the Lakers came out on Monday and immediately shot it down. Uh, shot down conversation thoughts that they aren't looking to bring in Kyrie to LA. So maybe we had it wrong the whole way. Maybe it was Kyrie trying to bring over LeBron. So do you, do you, uh, do you believe it? One, do you believe it? Or is this putting more pressure on the Lakers to be aggressive, to fill out a roster, perhaps bring Kyrie to play with LeBron? Like what is real or not? I can't even tell what's real anymore. That's that's what I was just going to say. I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, you know, I remember hearing, you know, the Dallas Mavericks saying, no, they're not going to, you know, help Kyrie in a signed trade. So they're like, no, you got to do this on your own. So he, I think once he hears that, he's like, hey, LeBron, would you come to Dallas? You know what I'm saying? Hey, because he can make the most money there. You know, they, you know, they have, a, you know, it's like, what would he be willing? But my thing is, OK, we hear Kyrie and we hear LeBron talking about it. What is Luca saying? What does Luca think about this? Because Luca is a guy that likes to have the ball in his hand. Luca is a guy is, you know, yes. Okay, I can play off the ball with Kyrie, but now I got to play off the ball with Kyrie and LeBron. You know, how does he adjust to that? It's a lot of things. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of ifs um, and, and, and would-bes and can-dos and could-it-happens. And it's just it's just crazy. It's like, wait, who's, who's going where? Who might go where? And I, for sure, the Lakers are going to, you know, obviously want to keep LeBron as long as possible. You know, they have this, they have AD in August uh, to, to, to make a decision uh, on him. You know, what will you do up until then? So they have a lot of, a lot of things in, you know, but I, I do think I'm not giving up Austin Reeves or Roy Hachimura. You would pass on as far- to keep Roy Hachimura and Austin Reeves. Hear what I say? Like that, that they're they're huge. Like okay, so if you lose, okay, so you have Kyrie and you have LeBron. What else? Maybe AD. Cool. <laughs> they, they to me, they're going to be right back in the situation. Okay, Wait, within reason. If we had a trade, uh, uh, one of those trade machines, and you saw Kyrie Irving here for Austin Reeves and Roy Hachimura. That's a no. What else? That's so this those two. I'm just, just those two. Said, I'm asking you, bro. <laughs> you said that. Right. Right, you didn't. Like, for this, such, I'm not. I don't. I'm not giving I'm up all of the. Oh, but you know, I'm not put, listen. I'm not putting myself as an organization. I'm not putting myself in the situation again to be where we get. We we yes, we got Russell Westbrook, and then we didn't have 
any depth on our team again. Like I, I just Fair. I don't know. Like what what happens if Kyrie comes in and Kyrie things happen? Whatever I that is. Understand what you're saying? That, you know what I'm saying? That's that's what I'm saying. It's just the hesitation. I'm not saying like he's not great. I'm not saying like I wouldn't take him and drop him a hat. Yes. But what do we have to give up to get him? You know, that's that's my hesit. That would be my hesitation. Is all I'm saying. I'm not. It's not the fact that I wouldn't take him. It's just all right. There again, they, one of the things that was says like, would you take Kyrie? Well, if we we could possibly bring in Kyrie, uh, Wendy had talked about it. We had talked about this before, but you know, him possibly taking less money to make sure he keeps one of those guys. You know, okay, cool. But I, it just right now the Lakers don't want to. Does the Lakers want to go through what they had? They had like Rob Palenka had to pull one out like deep down in the bag to find a team that worked that was satisfactory for their fans, the organization, and, you know, for the, the rest of their season. And it worked. Yeah, and it I, made it happen. But do you want to start and, and risk that again? I don't know. I'd like to give – and also shout-out to Rob Palenka, um, who's a, a wonderful person. And um, also, you know, flowers for what he was able to pull off, you know, with such – small margin to do anything. Um, it ended up, it ended up being an improvement and, um, the Lakers from the last season and where they were at the top of the season took a step forward. Is it a long-term solution? No, but in the short term, um, I think like, you know, you gotta at least say, Hey, he, he made something shake, you know? And so, um, now Darvin Ham was able to make, get that group together on the same page to make a hell of a run. Like, shout out to him as well. Came on our show. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so it was just great to see. Like, I mean, this is the first year coach who, like, who, who, who expected that? Like, you just want to go through a season, you coach your team and whatever. And obviously, like you said, the NBA is always interesting and everything happens. But Darvin Ham was like, what? My whole team's going to change? All right, cool. All right, let's make it work. And they made it work. And they got out of the first round. You know, they had a, <laughs> they ran into a, a very, very good Denver Nuggets team. But like some yeah. coaches' first year with little experience, I don't care if you're assistant coach or not. You're the head coach, and you have to make those decisions. You have to make the right decisions. And he did that. Flowers, shout out to him. flowers, shout out to Darvin Ham. Speaking of coaches, speaking of first years, uh, let's take it to the Celtics. Man, Just- it's a lot of coaches going a lot of places right now, boy. Oh, I tell you that. Vince, you know, look, they they giving out thirteen million a year. You should get in the coaching, man. Like, you know, I'm playing. <laughs> like, like, um, not uh, yet. In time, if if that's something that you uh want to do, um, but let's take it to the Celtics. Joe Mazzulla, mm. um, just brought on Sam Cassell joins the I staff. I love it. I love it. What are your thoughts? I love it. I, I, I think you, Sam Milwaukee, cause like Sam, I could sell. All right, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I I think Sam is a very very good coach. Um, he's due to be a head coach himself. Uh, we've seen him, you know, very influential, and I think I think um, the Seventy Sixers will miss him and the players and the work that he's done with those guys. He worked with James Harden. And and Tyrese Maxey, I think Tyrese Maxey will miss him more than anyone. Um, I'll be interested to see how his growth. I think he'll get better, but like what Sam Cassell brings out of you, a former player, very animated, very real, very forward. Um, a lot. I've, I mean, 
had an opportunity to talk to other players. Tyrese Maxey being one of them and loves his approach. I think this is great for the Boston Celtics. It will be great for Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum. I really do. Why? Um, because of the, the guy that he is. And he's a guy that's not going to hold back punches. He's a guy that will give these guys the truth. And he's going to prepare them. He's going to prepare. Like, you, if you go back and just look at some tape, Sam Cassell was always in James Harden's face. Whether he didn't want to hear it or not, he's like, yo, no, no, listen to me. This is this, this, this. And you are, every every team needs a guy like like that, uh, particularly a former player. You know, not you know, not saying I need a job, but you need a former player, a guy who's been there, who understands it and can talk to these guys that these guys will respect. And I think in those moments, in those situations where – Mm-hmm. they're having a rough time. You have a guy like, yes, you have your coach. And sometimes, yes, the coach doesn't always in the, in the heat of battle, they say something, they don't respond, but that's what your, your assistants are for. Mm-hmm. And that's what he's very good at. And I think he's going to do, oh man, he's going to, he's going to put this, help this team kind of get over the top. Absolutely. I know a lot of people are ex- excited to see a, a respected um, and, you know, veteran uh, guy, you know, join Joe Missoula. Happy to, I'm always happy to see a coach get some leash. You can't say you're serious about, you know, your franchise if you're knocking coaches out after a year commitment. Come on, man. So as much as people want to, Joe Missoula, you know, walked off the plank after an zero and three start. Um, you know, he he got his team to Game Seven. Um, he's clearly he was put in a tough position to begin with. Uh, he's clearly a bright, talented coach. And I'm happy that um, they didn't, the Celtics didn't bow down to pressure. And if you want to see an example, and this has been well documented, if you want to see an example of what sticking through pressure to drop your coach looks at, just look at the NBA finals. Spolstra, there was a time that some, uh, they tried to push him out. You look at Michael Malone, he was allowed to, you know, marinate through seasons that didn't end up where they hoped to be. Mm-hmm. So um, you're looking at long tenured coaches in these NBA finals. And I think that goes a long way. So kudos to Brad Stevens and the Celtics. We'll see how it works out. And I think. And it helps now, your organization too. Rob. Now the pressure too, you know, I still think two years is young, but, you know, as you allow a coach to marinate, the pressure sits on them, you know, to, to perform. But um, speaking of performances, we got to, we got to wrap this one up, man. I got to get on the road. I got to go to Miami. You're always busy. (laughs) Oh my God. You are always dramatic. You're always dramatic. Because you're always busy. So like, what, what what am I supposed to say here? No, it's all good. It's all good. I know you get, you got to work. You got to, I wish I could just golf like you all the time. I wish. (laughs) I don't do that. Um, a lot of times, but anyway, no, but it's, uh, I'm looking forward to game three and seeing him on you, you and my TV you know, going you, back and forth you, like that. She goes, yes, you I'm going to text you while you're walking fast on, on the TV. Like, yo, slow down. Slow down. No, you just said <laughs> that our show is over. I know. I know you love talking hoops. <laughs> yeah, for sure, man. It's a lot of good stuff going out there. Shout out to all these coaches getting a new opportunity. Um, you know, it's just great to see the NBA is going to once again be interesting. Hopefully there's a new parody. Uh, more parody, excuse me, uh, in the league. Uh, David Fisdale, I want to give him some shout out. My old coach, he's an assistant now uh, in Phoenix. I love him. Got to give him some love. So yeah, once course. again, good people. We appreciate you. We appreciate you listening to us. Listen to us banter and go back and forth, talk about basketball and all the great stuff that's going on. We love you. The VC Show, we out of here. Until next time, we out. Let's go. No! <laughs>